the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We're here for hour two on this Tuesday edition. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Always good to have conversations with you. We had good ones in the last hour about teaching and we may come back to that. We'll see. There's so much more to talk about that. But, um, you know, one of the uh, big stories in the news here locally in Southern California and Los Angeles is the Registrar of Voters in Los Angeles County has completed its count of the signatures that were submitted to recall District Attorney George Gascon, and it was rejected. They say that almost 200,000 signatures of the 715 that were turned in are invalid. And uh, that happens sometimes. I can give you the uh, the breakdown of that. It's caused a lot of controversy. Um, and it's a little bit higher than typical. Uh, the typical number is about uh, 20%, uh, according to one social scientist, for recall uh, signatures being thrown out. So it's about 27%. So 520. They needed 520,050 signatures and uh, were short um, by about 47,000. And 195,783 were rejected. First of all, I'm kind of amazed that the Registrar of Voters has the time and ability to actually go through 715,000 signatures. I thought that was too complicated. Apparently, we can do that relatively quickly. Uh, That's a whole other issue there with all of that. And and incidentally, you should – it does raise some things. That may be something to talk about here because I like to remind us that one of the things that we can do if we're frustrated is vote. And sometimes you have disappointing days like this one where uh, you're disappointed if you're, uh, you know, wanted to have the recall of George Gascon. And you know what? I think most people did. Uh, what was it? 37 cities in the Los Angeles County area, 37 cities had a no confidence vote in the district attorney in the county. 37 cities. I don't have a number of how many cities there are, but that's a lot of cities who took the time to vote no confidence in the district attorney. of Gascon's own prosecutors supported the recall. 98%. Pretty much everybody wanted to get rid of the boss. So it's really not a matter of, you know, popularity here. It's it's probably a matter of organization. I know some people are saying, no, it's just fraudulent and everything. Well, we're going to find out because the recall people have the right to examine the rejected ballots. And if they go through and they find enough to challenge. Eventually, a judge would decide. Um, you know, I think it's important for us to to know how the system works in a lot of these things. And by that, I don't mean just the recall system, but but how ultimately just the nitty gritty of this. What will happen is people will go through these ballots and they will look at them. And what happens is each side, when they're when they're going to go through these, eventually there'll be some kind of judge who would have to, let's say they found enough, let's say they found 50,000 ballots that were rejected and they say, no, these shouldn't be rejected. Somebody's going to have to look at that. And it gets to be pretty subjective, okay? 
Uh, I was a part of a recount once in an election, and what happened then was you have all the ballots in front of you, and there's all kinds of reasons you might reject a ballot. There's no names on them, so you don't really know who they are, but you know who they voted for, obviously, because you're looking. And our side had me and some other people looking, and the other side had their people looking. And both sides are tossing ballots right and left. You know, there's a stray mark up here. It doesn't really look like they voted. You know, they clearly did. But if there's anything unusual, you would toss it. Now, when you have the uh, signatures here, okay, this is a little bit of a different process. Um, so here are the here the here's the summary breakdown of the invalid signatures. Okay, and these are people who are signing. You know, the if you signed it, you probably signed it. Uh, at a supermarket or you signed it, uh, you went somewhere to sign it, maybe somebody you know had a uh, signing drive for it. 88,464 people who signed it were not registered, meaning their names are not on the list. Um, That happens a lot. You know, if you're wondering how in the world you get 200,000 of these tossed out, 88,000 not registered. Are you registered to vote? Are you sure you're registered to vote? Now's the time. If you want to understand if you're registered to vote, contact the registrar voters for your county. You can only vote in the county you live in, just in case you weren't sure about that. Um, find out if you're registered to vote. If you moved any time since the last election or the last time that you voted, are you sure that you're registered to vote? Um, make sure that you're registered, okay? Um, 43,000 people, 593 uh, duplicate signatures, meaning that you signed it twice or maybe multiple times. That doesn't work. Uh, don't do that. If you're ever signing a petition for anything, don't sign it more than once. Uh, just sign it. There's, um, you know, that's an area where sometimes there's fraud because initially when they count the uh, signatures, they don't count them all. They do a a summary, right? And just statistically, if they say, okay, we're going to count 10,000 of these, if they turn out to be all valid, then we're not going to bother to count the rest. We're going to assume it. Um, but if a certain number is invalid, then we're going to count them all. And sometimes people think that, so they'll just sign a bunch of times and they think nobody's looking. Um, they are looking, all right? You're going to get caught. It's not going to work. And sometimes just an accident. You can't remember if you signed it already. And sometimes months go by between times and and you forget. Uh, Different address. So the problem is, is that you're the right voter, but your address is wrong. So that's another thing to do right now, since we have mail ballots in California. Make sure that your address is correct on your registration because they're going to mail you a ballot in October for the November election. And uh, you want to make sure that address is correct. I just moved. I'm real curious about it. I'm really curious if I'm going to get, I've already re-registered at my new address. I'm curious if I'll get another ballot at my old one because I didn't really unregister at my old one. Do And I don't remember, you know, filling anything out that said, uh, here's where I used to live other than this way I did it. I did it when I forwarded my mail. I've never done it that way. I used to fill out a form and you're supposed to write down what your old address is. I'm assuming that the system works, but I'm uh, not entirely sure that it's going to work. I'm curious. Anyway, 32,187 people, you have the wrong address. You need to go fix it. You need to fix it before October. Do it today. Register our voters. Go fix your address. That way you can vote. Otherwise, see, the thing is, is that if you're voting in November, if you don't bother to do it, you're and you vote and it turns out to be something close. Sometimes they're close elections locally for city council for county supervisors, for lots of things, even you know, occasionally statewide elections can be really close. Well, you don't want your ballot thrown out because your address is wrong, so go get it right. Uh, mismatch signature. That's the one I think is a little more controversial. I'd love to know. Like If I were looking at these, I would love to know. 
how far away are these signatures? Those are the ones I'd like to look at. Is it because, you know, how did you sign on your driver's license? How did you sign when you registered to vote if you did it on paper a long time ago? What does that look like? And how far off is it? I ran into this recently. I was signing some stuff and I had to be really careful. And sometimes I sometimes when I sign my name, I sign Scott Furrow and I try to spell it out so it looks like Scott Furrow. But sometimes I just write a big old S and a little scribble, and there it is. And uh, that was the first way I signed it was big old S and a little scribble, and then I realized, oh, uh, I probably should have signed this more carefully. And they said, well, now you got to sign it that way every time so you don't run into trouble. I said, wouldn't it be more trouble if it doesn't look like my name? And they said, it doesn't matter. It just looks like it just needs to be the same, which I thought was interesting. Sometimes when I sign my credit card receipt, like a you know, if I go out to eat or something, I don't sign my name at all. I'll sign Joe Biden. I'll sign Donald Trump. I'll sign some other name just to see if they're even reading it. And it really doesn't matter as long as I don't you know um, uh, challenge it, which I'm not going to do because I'm an honest guy. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You have any thoughts about this? Are you disappointed? Are you concerned? Do you feel like it's a uh, you know, and, and the reason I say this, maybe you're a supporter of George Gascon. Love to have your thoughts if you feel like this is good. Los Angeles was getting ready to recall their district attorney for the same reasons that San Francisco just recalled its district attorney. People not being prosecuted and people getting let out. There are some horrific videos you can watch of just terrible crimes being done and then those people aren't prosecuted. and Or they're prosecuted, you know, in ways that are just not it just doesn't seem like justice it doesn't seem like the balance of justice is right and that's why there's so many uh, recalls here nine that nine thousand four hundred ninety mismatched signature seven thousand three hundred and forty four canceled meaning that i think what that means is that you called up and you said nah take my signature off i changed my mind uh i'm amazed at that if uh that were the case 7,344 people called. I think in the the Governor Newsom recall, we had twice as many signatures turned in. I think there were like 34 people who called to uh, say, no, I'll take my name off the list. I think uh, I, I would be curious about that. So that's 9,000. Let's just make it 10 because the math is easier. 10 plus 7, 17,000. Out of country address, 5,374. 5,374 people signed the petition, apparently, and put down an out-of-country address. You have to live here to vote here. I know that they have tried. I know that in California, we've tried to allow you to vote here, even if you're not a citizen. So far, the courts have been throwing that out, obviously. You got to live in Los Angeles County to vote on Los Angeles County things. Your address has to be here. You could have a forwarding address, a mailing address. There's some other things. And then other 9,331, so 17, 22, still not enough. Uh, You could go through, but it's about half. It's about halfway there, but some of those are definitely going to be legit. So I don't think they're going to reverse it. I think that the recall is, is dead. One of the things I think should be mentioned here is that the group organizing this must not have done a very good job collecting the signatures to have that many rejected, especially out of country address. Whoever is collecting the signature, your job is to say, hey, this won't count because you can't put down a out-of-country address. You have to train your signature gatherers. You know, if you want to do it right, 
you know, this is this is this is ground level grassroots politics. And I talk about this because if you're concerned about the direction of our state, well, only a third of the people who are registered to vote in our state voted in the primary. That means that anybody could win if you actually went and did the due diligence, if enough people were out doing it. You know, that's it is ridiculous to say California is just lost because, you know, oh, gosh, we're just a blue state, if that's how you feel, or that California is just permanently a blue state. Maybe that's why you don't vote, because you like it that way. But when only a third of the people are voting, it could go either way, and it comes down to this kind of organization. But the organization has to be done well. It has to follow the rules. It has to follow the laws. And if you're collecting signatures, you should be trained. Hey, if you live outside the country, you can't put that address down. You really got to grill people. Have you signed this before? If they're not sure, then maybe you have them not sign it. Different address. Is this the right address? Maybe you don't know. Those kinds of things. I would encourage you to feel like you can get active politically and at least know these things. You don't have to become a maniac. You don't have to be going to all the conventions and all the shows and all the stuff. I know people like that. Some of you are like that. You go to all the stuff. I grew up with a lady. Her name was Sylvia. Sylvia decked out her car in red, white, and blue and shiny lights. She drove these old Cadillac, uh, what was it, Cadillac Eldorado or Cadillac uh, or Fleetwood one of these things that rivals the Titanic as far as its size. And she would drive these things across the country to every political convention she could go to. And she had this poodle that she kept in the car. Uh, And the poodle was all decked out in red, white, and blue. Uncle Sam hat, shiny collar, all this stuff. She was fully into it. And I always looked for her on TV at these conventions because I, is is Sylvia sitting there? She must be there. And uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be that interested, but you should know some of the things that are going on. You know, those guys who sit out in front of the uh, supermarket and they're asking you for uh, signatures for various things. Most of the time they're getting paid for that. Not a lot, but uh, sometimes it's very helpful. When I was doing that years ago, we hired homeless people to do it if they were competent enough to do it. And many are. And uh, one guy was so good at it that uh, he started to make a living doing it. It was incredible. He actually, uh, we helped him a little bit. But uh, he ended up getting off the street because he was out there uh, not just collecting signatures, but back then you could register people to vote. And uh, the Democrats and Republicans would pay you per registration that you would turn into them. So you would get people's registrations. It's illegal, by the way, to throw them out, but a risk. And what he would do is he would do it for both sides. He didn't care. He's just making money. And uh, it was a good deal for him. I was real happy for that guy back in the day. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Sometimes on our show, we just want to point out how to really go forward with the problems that we have. And so the recall has failed. That could mean difficulties in Los Angeles. That's my opinion. My opinion is it's not just to not prosecute uh, particularly violent crimes. It just encourages more crime. um, And that's what happens. And... That's why we see so much difficulty in San Francisco, why they recalled their district attorney and their school board, and uh, more could be coming up there. We're going to have to try again here. And maybe the other side is maybe Gascon will uh, change his ways. A person can, can hope, right? What are the chances of that? One in a million? So you're telling me there's a chance. You never know. Another thing, reason to pray for our public officials because of things like that, uh, including Gasco. Pray for his 
hard to change. Pray that uh, wherever, you know, this is my opinion, but if I'm wrong, then I want to be corrected. I want to have the correct opinion about what is just and what is right. All of these issues, they, they matter a lot, but you have to, as a Christian, recognize that there is a difference between societal justice and biblical justice. And our goal is not simply to have an organized society. We definitely want that. And what's happening here with all of this is that society is becoming unwound, and we're becoming against each other, and we are getting divided in so many different ways. We want society to work, but ultimately what we want as Christians is we want people to get saved. And that should always be our goal. And that's really the goal of justice. That's the goal of justice in our society, to have not just a functioning society, that matters, but the reason that God calls us to be concerned about the poor, to be concerned about widows and orphans so often, the idea of biblical justice, which is often not the same thing as social justice that we hear, modern social justice, it's really hard to find the right term because we wreck words. You know, justice from a biblical standpoint, it's, it's a really good word. It's a word that we see in the scriptures that matters in uh, so many different ways. Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, it's a, it is a good word to have there biblically, and it gets tied up into some wrong things. Isaiah 1, 17 learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Um, those statements you have all through Scripture, and then you have in the book of James, you know, what kind of religion does God our Father find to be right? Uh, those who, can, James chapter 126, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We spend a lot of time, I think, in church talking about keeping ourselves from being polluted by the world and uh, talking about what that would look like. But the work that we are to do is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. The work that we are to do is to be concerned about those who have who have less, who have struggles, and not to make excuses for them, and not to change the definition of words so that uh, the world is not real. In the world of uh, many, I think the right word to use is still disabled. Can I use the word disabled? I always change the word. I can use whatever word I want, really, but okay. But there is a disablement theory, right, where we used to say that a person who might be deaf has a disability and uh, they go through the world not hearing the world the same way that regular people, I shouldn't say regular people, but, but by people who are not deaf, people who can hear, they experience the world differently. And they have to learn sign language and they have to do some other things differently. One of the weirdest things that's happening in the world of philosophy this way is to change the, na- the, the meaning of the world, word disabled, where a person is not disabled because they don't have the ability. Instead, the change is society is disabling them because we have created a world where a person who can't hear can't be a part of it in the same way. See? And that's, it's a very subtle thing, and it's meant to say, hey, as a society, we should 
um, consider those who can't hear, and we should do a whole lot of work to make things equal. Where it breaks down is it turns into, well, none of us should be able to hear then because this person couldn't hear. And then pretty soon everybody can't hear and everybody can't see and everybody can't walk and that doesn't work. And that's the breakdown of uh, modern philosophy. It tears down everything until you just have rubble. Biblical justice, though, is to care about that person who can't hear, to make sure that, hey, is there a ministry in our church or is there a church that's available for somebody who can't hear, where there's somebody who does sign language? Do you do sign language for your your church? I was at a church. I've been at a couple churches where there's uh, somebody in the front who is signing for people. It's a great ministry, and it's something that's necessary. See, it's very subtle, these, these changes here. As you get involved in this world, make sure that just because the, the justice conversation goes sideways in so many ways, that you don't reject what the Bible says about it, that you don't reject the idea that God wants us to care for people, in particular people who have less or have struggles. Um, and even if you're one of those people who feels like you're in that category, we all have it in one way or the other. If we're working together, we can build each other up and create an environment where people get to know Christ. I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation and comment by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Welcome back, everybody. I am Scott Furrow. This is the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live. You can join our conversation 888-528-2557. I got a question for you. What would you spend a million dollars a day on? If you had a million dollars a day, one million dollars a day, and you could spend it, how would you spend that? A million dollars a day. Think about that. So in a week, you got seven million dollars. One week. That's more than you're going to make in your life for most people. In uh, Is that right? Maybe you're going to need a couple of weeks. But in a month, definitely. 365, what? No, that's a year. $30 million in a month, in a year, $365 million, $366 million if it's a leap year, a million dollars a day. What would you do with a million dollars a day? How would you spend it? 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. I'm asking that question because if you had a million dollars a day, every day, from today to, and you could have it every single day going back to the birth of Christ, 2,022 years, give or take, how, you know, you would still not have enough money to pay for the Inflation Reduction Act bill that was just passed by uh, Congress and signed by the president today. A million dollars a day since the birth of Christ. You still wouldn't have enough. $740 billion a day. My calculations, that comes out a million dollars a day, comes out to about $738 billion. So give or take, it's pretty close. A million dollars a day. That's what we spent on one bill. Just one bill. That's pretty incredible. And I do this on, you know, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. How, how long ago was that? Uh, you can think about it in terms of Caesar Augustus, if you want to. You could think about it in terms of King Herod. You could take it back maybe a few years, Julius Caesar. You could probably start doing that math and go back way back into time. 
Alexander the Great, you get under a million dollars there. Go back to King David, 3,000 years, I don't know, so that would be around 700,000 a day from the time of David. Before that, the years in history gets a little fuzzy, harder to do by the day. That's how much money was spent in the one bill that's supposed to reduce inflation. Most people think it's, uh, in fact, most of the people who are talking about it say say that it doesn't in, in, uh, reduce inflation, that, in fact, deficit spending is what is growing inflation. I happen to agree with that. A lot of economists say that, that the reason we have such high inflation is because, in particular, we're always spending more than we have, but especially in the last couple of years where we have spent trillions of dollars we don't have because of all the COVID relief that we did. And I think people could argue that, well, we had to do that. And that's probably true. COVID relief, it saved a lot of businesses. I know there's a lot of fraud out there, but it saved a lot of businesses. It helped a lot of people through it. The trouble with debt is is that you don't know when you're going to suddenly need to go in debt because of some kind of emergency. And if you already have debt, you're in trouble. The $30 trillion we're in debt, that's something like 30, I think I'm right, $38 billion, $38 million a day from the time of Christ is our national debt. $38 million every single day from the birth of Christ to today. You still haven't spent the national debt. Our brains can't get around that. Our brains struggle with that uh, tremendously. 888-528-2557. I think that's why we keep getting in more and more debt. I think that's why over the past several years, last couple of decades, where we have seen the national debt double with each presidential administration, or it went up by half during a half, you know, four years of Donald Trump, and it's on pace to have doubled in the eight years between Trump and um, Biden. I think it's because the number has gotten so high, it doesn't affect us the same way. It just, our brains can't wrap, wrap around it. And as a nation, we're, we're people who spend money we don't have, right? We have tremendous personal debt. And people we send to Congress and people we send into office, they're, gonna, they're just us, right? So why should we expect them to not go into debt when we're just people who love debt? They represent us. 888-528-2557. David in Culver City. How are you doing today, David? You know, I'm doing well, Scott. Of course, uh, you know, I, I have two things to say. One is, uh, of course, the Deficit Reduction Act hasn't contributed to the debt nearly as much as the Trump-era tax cuts. But that's okay. another question. <laughs> that's another that's one. Okay. Another okay. But what I did want to say is you made it sound like talking about disability has somehow philosophically caused problems and made it seem like we're redefining disability. But in point of fact, the World Health Organization calls impairment the physical problem, and disability is a social construct. Just to give you a quick example, and I won't take up too much time with this, I went to college back east, and in my class, was a neck a woman who had neck down quadriplegia mm-hmm. and the local police department organized a van pool to get her to class all winter and she wanted to take a, a music class and it was in a non-handicapped building all of the, the students in that class refused to be in the class they changed the building so she graduated and she was a class a orator because disability is a social construct. When people are willing to help people with physical impairments, 
they're not as disabled and they're able to fulfill their goals. So, you know, I think that's an important distinction. Disability is a social construct. It doesn't mean you're not better disabled. Nobody's saying that. But disabled people do have their own culture and their own needs and their own demands. And I think it's good that society is finally responding to that. All right. I don't see a problem there. Well, I think what you're describing is uh, is great, you know, that we do that as a society, and I appreciate that very much. What I'm getting at is the definition of the word that what's happening in the social study of this, and you, you talked about that, is that the word disabled is not related anymore to the person's condition, but that the society is creating that disabled situation. And the thing is about... But it's true. Well, the thing it is about your friend is we were able to help her, her her be more abled, but she's still disabled. She is disabled, but but yeah. See, that's the that, see that's just a meaning of word thing. Well, but that's important. It's important to say that a lot of your disability can be overcome by changing social constructs. Can overcome disability. So disability is not as fixed as an impairment. An impairment is something that really can't be overcome. You have that impairment. But you can remedy that impairment. You can improve that impairment. You can extend abilities of people that are disabled. So I think that's a good thing that we've kind of redefined the given so a disability a social dimension. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. All right, David. I appreciate your call and your thoughts on there. I don't think we, we disagree that much. I think maybe um, I'm getting more into the philosophy of it. David's getting into more of the practical side of it. And it is good that we are um, helping people get around who need help in that. Like, that's that's a great story in that situation. Um, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. Getting back to the uh, the... Uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed with this is watching kind of how the media deals with it. Uh, and David's call, by the way, we we're talking about some of those issues before the break. And so he was he was talking about that in case you just joined us. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. The, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. But NBC today, as they reported Biden, President Biden signing it, they called it they, their headline is Biden signs major climate health care and tax bill into law, which is more accurate. New York Times, they don't call it the Inflation Reduction Act. Biden signs expansive health, climate and tax bill. Washington Post, Biden signs sleep, uh, um, climate, health care and tax bill. ABC, NPR, the same. Wall Street Journal, they, uh, they tweak it a little bit. Bill aimed at lowering drug costs, boosting renewable energy. Uh, that is what the bill, what's mostly in the bill. It's aimed at it. There's you know, arguments about whether or not, well, I hope it lowers the drug costs for sure. Prescription drugs in our country, it's it's ridiculous uh, how much that is costing and our, our, that needs to be fixed. I don't know that this will. And uh, you know what, lowering the drug costs, somebody's paying it. You know, Ultimately, we're paying it. There needs to be a better solution probably. Um, Politico, landmark domestic bill is what they call it. And then Reuters, CNN, USA Today, they do call it the Inflation Reduction Act. Why are they doing that? They're doing that because the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, and most analysts say it probably won't reduce inflation. Uh, Some say it will raise it because we're printing money, which has to do with raising inflation. And, of course, it has a lot to do with the election coming up and uh, the politics of it. I think some of it is, if it does, if it is successful, if it's successful at lowering inflation, the idea is that 
the 87,000 new IRS agents that will be hired uh, are going to be able to take enough money out of us to um, that we owe in most cases, right, um, that uh, it would raise enough money to make it kind of a wash and therefore doesn't raise inflation or it uh, reduces the deficit. That's kind of the idea. Um, 87,000 IRS agents is, is a huge part of the uh, bill, the expense of it. And uh, we'll talk about that later in the week, maybe a little bit tomorrow and uh, what that might mean, especially if you're a small business owner, um, that's maybe where that might hit. And, uh, you know, they say, well, we're going to go after the, the rich and wealthy. Well, you probably will, but the rich and wealthy have lawyers and they have lots of, lots of ways to uh, get around those things, uh, get around paying their taxes often legally. Um, and, uh, it's much easier to go after people who don't have those resources. And that's why that's who gets audited so much of the time. 888-528-2557. Even though I thought it, I just think it's amazing to me that the uh, media is not even going to call it by its right bill because it isn't. Uh, and there's definitely a political reason for it, but we've just come to this point where we're, we just can't even say it anymore. That's not what it is. One of the parts in that bill is that you get a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles um, if you buy a new built-in-America, or even a used, I think, built-in-America electric vehicle, $7,500, at least $7,500 for a new one. It's much smaller for the, uh, a used one. And uh, you know what happened with that that I find very, very interesting? Guess what uh, um, the electric car builders are doing as a result of that? I'll tell you when we get back from the break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. I got an electric car question for you. When you get an electric car, if you have one, does the battery reduce its amount of charge, kind of like my phone does or my computer I was reading the new Fords. You get 240 miles on a charge. You know, after a couple of months, does that go down to 140 miles like my phone? 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Welcome back, everybody. 888-528-2557. CEO of uh, Dodge announced that uh, the end of the eight-cylinder engine. The end of the V8 engine is coming soon. Do you have a V8 engine in your car? Not too many of them around now anyway. My my best friend when I was in high school, his first car was a 1969 Chevy Nova with some big V8 engine in it. And we are lucky to be alive. I don't think he even had seatbelts. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I remember being up at Wrightwood and coming down the mountain in the ice and uh, just blaring through it. And uh, look out, everybody. Uh, we are in a tank. We are teenagers in a tank. And he was born like one day after the whatever the cutoff was for getting into school. So he was a sophomore in high school with that car. Uh, the rest of us were not old enough to drive. And he had his license and he had that car. And uh, everybody luckily was always fine. Uh, and uh, he did let me drive it a couple times. I think I think maybe once I did drive it without my license. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening. Um, in fact, it might have been that trip down the mountain. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was thinking, I'm not going to wreck my car. I'm going to let Scott do it. Anyway, um, we that's happening because of the move to electric cars. Uh, Dodge is going to discontinue Charger and Challenger. It's muscle car mainstays by uh, 20, about 2023 and, uh, or 2025. And uh, electric cars, the way it's going to be. So in the in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the actual name of the bill, 
that uh, we were talking about before the break. One of the things it does is it gives you a $7,500 tax cut, tax break, tax credit, I should say, if you go get a new electric vehicle. And uh, right after that, Ford, who's putting out some new electric vehicles, announced that they are raising the price of their brand new electric Fords by around $7,000. And that, my friends, is how government works. And that, my friends, is how it works in the marketplace. The government gives out money. People just charge a little bit more. Uh, That happens with minimum wage. You know, if if your minimum wage went from $10 to $15, I think that's already gone with inflation. That's why people are now beginning to ask for 18. And I think for a couple of years, you you felt pretty good about that. You had a little extra money. But over time, your rent goes up, the groceries go up, everything goes up to meet that demand of that uh, figure. And then, and maybe your employer went out and hired uh, a few uh, robots to do the job. And now you either don't have a job or you don't have as many hours. So you're actually making less money. That's how it works. Um, we we should have, I like the idea of livable wage when we're talking about that. If you have a full-time job, you should be able to live somewhere. I think that's not a bad way to look at it. I think that's that's right. You shouldn't have to live with your parents. You should have a place to live. We We need to fix that. But we should not believe for a moment that the fix is to just pay everybody more money because the it just that's inflation. It just will it just will make everything more expensive. And if the government's going to give you seventy five hundred dollars as a tax credit to buy your electric vehicle, then we should not be surprised that electric vehicle makers will start charging you seventy five hundred dollars more, seven thousand more. Uh, Ford says uh, for their new F one fifty, which is probably a cool truck. And uh, that other 500 will be tacked on probably by the dealer. Have you seen that? Have you been to a new car lot? They don't have any new cars. But if they did, when they do, they it's not just sticker price that you don't want to pay. Now what it is is there's the sticker price plus the dealer's just tacking on money. It's crazy. Your used car, my used car, I drive a 2013 vehicle. And I could sell it today. I've owned it for three or four years. I bought it used. What is it? So 2013. So it's 10 years old, really. And I could sell it today for more than I paid for it three or four years ago. That's what's happening in the in the car market because uh, it's hard to get the new vehicles because the chips that are are, are stuck uh, in uh, the market. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. And I have wondered about this with an electric car. I think eventually we're going to be buying them. I don't. The whole weird thing that people can just go out and buy one. I'm just not buying that. I you know how I can't afford one. Can you afford to just go out and buy an electric vehicle? Some of you can, but some of you can't. And I don't want one that only goes 200 miles. I'd have to be charging that all the time. And how much is my electric bill going up? They say the electric bill's going down. I don't think it's going down. I think it will go up. Uh, and part of the reason it goes up is you have to pay the workers who work at the electric company. And because you add uh, money to uh, the, the marketplace and it costs more to hire workers, then their wages go up which means they have to charge you more. That's how they get their wages. Just some simple things uh, about life there. My senior year in high school, Mr. Gavel, economics teacher, he put up on the board a word. It was Tinstoffel, T-I-N-S-T-A-T-F-A-L. And he said, you get an A for the day. I think you get an A in your next class if you figure out what that means. I don't think anybody got it, but it was an acronym for there's no such thing as a free lunch. And then we had a whole conversation about how nothing is free, that it costs somebody something. 
that if somebody's giving you money from the government, it's coming back out of your taxes somewhere, or it's costing somebody something. And then like, well, what if somebody takes you to lunch and it's free and they pay for it? Well, it still cost you your time. You had to go to lunch. You didn't have to go to lunch with that person. It's nice that they paid for it, but you didn't have to be there. So there's a cost involved in time. And it's a basic economic lesson. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So always worry when you hear somebody say something is free. There's, and there's, there's always a gimmick. I had a friend who uh, he ran a tire company, and he always had the same sale going on. The sale was this, and it changed. It alternated every other week. One week it would be if you buy four tires, he'll give you 25% off. The next week was if you buy four tires, uh, if you buy th- four tires, he'll give you one free, meaning you, you buy three, you pay for three, and you get four. And he used to laugh because it's the same price. It's exactly it's exactly the same sale. If you buy four and you get twenty five percent off, it's exactly the same price as if you buy three and they throw one in free. It's the same price. You're paying three quarters for four tires. And what he would laugh about is customers would come in and they'd go, well, I need new tires, but I think I'll wait till next week and you get the better sale. And he'd say, you know what, I'll, I'll give you that sale today if you don't tell anybody. You will? Oh, yeah, I will. There you go. I always prefer the one that says if you buy one for the price of two, you get one free, which is true with everything that you know. 888-528-2557. Incidentally, there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's also no such thing as a free salvation. Jesus had to die for your sins. It it cost God tremendously. We talk about grace, and it's free to us. It's free to us. It's unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. That is the most basic thing, really, about our faith, the distinction of Christianity from every other way of thinking philosophically or religiously in the world. Every other philosophy or religion says that you have to earn your salvation or earn whatever reward it is that you're getting from the universe by doing good good deal, good deeds, by doing good things. Christianity says you can't do enough good things to earn it. All fall short of the glory of God. But you get grace. You get unmerited favor. You didn't earn it. You get salvation because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. That's why the thief on the cross can go to heaven. That's why somebody who lives their whole life as a follower of Jesus goes to heaven. That's why it's not too late for you or people you know to go to heaven, to repent, to turn their hearts to Jesus, to be changed. Because you're not saved because you worked for it. You're saved because it's given to you if you are willing to receive it, if you're able to receive it. You get grace. It's a free gift. There's no such thing as a free lunch. It's free to you, but it's not free to the Lord. One of the reasons we worship the Lord is because he loved us. That before we even knew what sin was, Christ died for us. It's such a huge deal. Do you do you really understand how great that is? Do you really understand that you are loved by God and you don't have to earn your salvation? It's really hard. A lot of Christians even think, well, I got to earn it a little bit. I got to earn some of it. You know, in church last week we sang uh, the old hymn "Jesus Paid It All." I haven't heard that for a long time, and I remember I was singing it, and I was thinking to myself, "It's such a great old hymn." Because you might sit there, you might be thinking, "Jesus paid most of it." Like Jesus paid most of it, but I'm going to have to pick up the tip. Jesus paid most of the bill, but I'll pay the sales tax. 
No, he paid it all, my friends. And you got to trust him for that. You know, in this world where the government's offering you free things, it's not free. It's not free to you, and uh, you're going to pay for it one way or the other. You are going to, there's going to be some cost to you for just about anything that you do. But your salvation is given to you, and God picks up all the cost. Jesus picks up all of the cost for you. That is a huge deal. And I hope that leaves you with some, some hope today, some optimism about your life, some sense that says, hey, you know what, if you're discouraged in your faith today, maybe you haven't gone back to church since the COVID, maybe you haven't gone back to church since you were a kid, maybe you haven't been to church at all, but you're, you know you need something. Maybe you're suffering in some kind of sin that you know you need to get, to give up because it's harming you and that it's it's not a healthy thing for you at all, but you're thinking maybe uh, God's not going to accept me anyway. That's not the biblical way. Scripture say says that if you believe in him, then, and you trust in him, he's going to forgive you of your sins. That's why the, the people in the Bible, those people, most of them are a mess that God uses. People who've done terrible things that get forgiveness, and even get used by God to do amazing things for him. That's grace, and that's for you. Today's the right day to turn it around. Today is the right day to give your heart to the Lord. Today is the right day to trust him that his words are true, and that Jesus died for your sins. And if you believe in him, you have everlasting life. This is Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back at three o'clock tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great evening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com